Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. Hey, if you brought a Bible, would you go ahead and turn to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy 30. Which, by the way, I just want to say you made the right choice in being uh, at church today. Uh, Some of you, many of you guys are joining us online, or you're in one of our venues on campus, and really glad you made that choice today. There's a lot of places you could be. Um, and maybe you're watching in a watch party. There's a lot of places you could be right now. And you've, you made, I think, my opinion, the best decision to be here today. Because life, every, every day we have a lot of choices to make in life. You wake up, you got, you're like, am I going to have coffee? Well, that's, that's not a choice. You already know. You prepared for that the night before. You already know that. Um, maybe you're maybe you're really specific, like I am, about what kind of coffee you're going to make. Am I going to pull some sh- some espresso shots in the morning? Am I going to do a pour over? You got lots of decisions to make. Uh, and then you know, for breakfast, breakfast comes and you got to like make a bunch of decisions about breakfast. What kind of junk am I going to put in my body today? Am I going healthy? Am I going frosted flakes? Am I going cocoa puffs? What am I doing today? Right? Um, if if you're a parent like me. You've got then, like every day, there's the hustle of getting the kids ready and getting them out the door, you know? There's like, I mean, I've got, I've got three kids, so just getting the kids out the door, there's all of the wardrobe changes, you know? And that's only me, like not even worrying about the kids. I got all that to do, all the choices that I got I, I got all these things, decisions that I have to make. And then, you know, uh, and, and then lunch, later on in the day, you got all of the decisions leading throughout the day. How fast am I going to drive? Am I going to go the speed limit? Am I not going to go the speed? You got to, I'm not telling you what to do. You're going to have to make the decision. Um, and, and then eventually lunchtime, you know, after church, the big thing typically is like, we're going to go, you know, grab a bite to eat or something. And I, can I just say to you, that's another whole source of conflict, specifically in marriages. Come on, married people. Uh, that, all the men, I heard a bunch of amens, like, amen. I heard all the men say amen, because here's, let, let me just speak to the young married men for a moment, or those who are going to be married one day. Listen. One day, you're going to say, honey, where would you like to go to lunch? And she, I'm, I'm warning you, she's going to say, oh, I don't care. <laughs> From one married man to another, listen, listen, she cares. <laughs> and you had better choose wisely. <laughs> it will affect part of the rest of your day, all right? I'm just, I'm just warning you. <clears throat> she cares. So learn where she wants to go, and then God bless you as you make those decisions, all right? Every day is full of decisions. I read an article recently that said some sources believe that we make about 35, upwards of 35,000 decisions every day in our waking moments. That averages out to about one decision every two seconds while we're awake. Uh, and, and, you know, some of those are big life-altering decisions, some of those are very small decisions, but they're decisions. Everywhere we look, we're having to make choices. And I've had you turn to a place in Scripture, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, where Israel is in a pivotal place as a nation, and they are about to have to make a choice. And Moses is about to lay before them two options, pretty straightforward, two options, some decisions that they, that they have to make. Now, you might be aware that 
just about three years ago, February 3rd, 2018, Jen and I were uh, at the old Kmart building that is now Ross and Marshalls and a few others. And uh, we, we just really had believed that God led us there to pray over that place as our future awakened church building. And I'll tell you that every day I drive by that, I still pray for that. And I'm I'm, I'm believing that one day, whether it's a Waken church or a different church, that that shopping center is not about spending but being saved, right? And I, I'm still praying. I, I believe God could do that. But we, we, as we drove around Kmart that day, we found this Bible that the only explanation I can come up with was that God planted that Bible for us to find there that, on that rainy day. In fact, I brought the Bible with me. If you're wondering, what happened to Kevin's Bible? No, this is, this is the Bible we found three years ago. It was all waterlogged, and it was open. It's just kind of like all the pages were bent, and there's only two verses that you can read. And uh, it's Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. That's, this is what we're going to focus on today. But as I was praying about what God wanted me to share with you guys uh, specifically today, I felt like you reminded me of this because Israel, in this context in Deuteronomy 30 was in a similar place to where we are as a church. In Deuteronomy 30, Israel is in the midst of a leadership transition. If you haven't heard the news a couple weeks ago, Jen and I announced that God is leading us on uh, into a new journey that we didn't see coming. And as God calls us away, he's called Pastor Nate and Jen to step in in our place. And we're excited for the future of Awaken. And we believe that since this is God's church and not our church, that the best years are ahead. Amen? And and so what's interesting about this context is that Israel is in the the midst of a leadership transition where Moses, the visionary leader, is handing over the leadership to his executive pastor, you could say, Joshua. And Joshua is the one who gets to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. Amazing timing that for five years as a church, we worked so hard to renovate and and combine venues, and it hasn't happened in five years. Last week, while I was in Albuquerque, Pastor Nate texted me, hey, we got the go-ahead, we can start building. Like, how crazy is God's timing that as we transition out, Nate, Pastor Nate, is the one that gets to lead you into this future venue. And, and so I just felt like, man, what a pivotal text of Scripture. As Moses charged the nation of Israel, I want to I charge you guys to think through a couple thoughts. And so I want to share a message with you today from Deuteronomy. I'm going to read these verses, verses 19 and 20. And then I'll give you the title of the message. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Moses says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Here's the title of the message. Would you jot this down? Life's most important multiple choice quiz. And for all the students in the room, they're like, come on, it's the weekend. Listen, this one's going to be a lot easier and yet much more pivotal than any 
test you'll ever take in school. Here's what you need to understand. There's only two choices on this quiz, life and death. And what we need to understand, and here's kind of the, the, the direction that I'm heading today. There's two choices on this quiz, life, life and death, but God will not force obedience. But I can tell you, and we're going to see it, he promises to reward obedience. So on life's most important multiple choice quiz, A is life, B is death. Those are the only two choices. And I think it's probably important to note that there is no C or D or E on this multiple choice. There is no, there's no other option. You choose either life or you choose death. And if you're not ready to make a decision, then you've already made the decision. The, the reality is that anybody listening to this message today will leave having chosen one or the other. It's either I'm going to follow God or I'm not, A or B life or death. That's just, there's only two choices in life. And so Moses is posing these two questions to them. Now, a couple of things to note here before we dive in. I want to give you three just kind of quick application points for this. It's, I think it's important to note that this is not Moses's quiz. This is him just repeating God's words to the nation of Israel. And that's important because as followers of Jesus, that's our job. We don't invent spiritual directives and just come up with ideas to pass on to people, we, our job is to just lovingly repeat to a dying world how to find the answer of life. And Moses, that's what Moses is so faithfully doing here. You might also notice that this is not your typical quiz from the standpoint that normally, like, like in school, if your teacher is going over the multiple choice quiz with you, your teacher's not normally going to tell you which answers to choose. Now, maybe you get really lucky and the teacher just wants everybody to get 100 and she tells you all the answers. But most likely, they they may go over the questions, but they're not going to tell you the answers. This one's different. Moses goes, hey, two choices for you today. A, life. B, death. Verse 19, choose life. Moses goes, that's the correct answer on the test. Did you, are you taking notes? Don't choose death. Choose life. And then he gives us some reasons for why, why that would be. He, he tells us what life looks like. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Not, a li- not, not one of the lives. Not a- an option. He is the way to experience real life. So I just wanna, I want to I want to pull three phrases from verse 20 about what it looks like for us to live this life. Follow along with me. You can write these three down. Number one, it involves loving the Lord your God. Now, somebody who's been around church at some point is like, okay, that's like the most basic thing. Okay, love God, <laughs> obviously. Now, that may sound obvious, and it is basic and foundational, but I would say it is so important that it is foundational to the point that it's transformational. It's, it's so important that we, we understand the value of just loving God. In fact, let me, let me reframe in, in our minds real quick. Let me give you some perspective what it looks like, practically speaking, to love God. A lot of times you'll hear somebody say that they, they have a list of priorities, and I love God first, 
and then I love my spouse, and then I love my kids, and they, like they, they have this list, which I think we do with good intentions. But I want to I just kind of reframe that a little bit. What I find more helpful is instead of saying, I love God first, because sometimes that can mentally lead us to think that I love God to the neglect of other people or other things. And the reality is that if you love God first, all of the, all of the rest of life is impacted by that. So instead of saying, I love God first, I, I prefer to say something like, I let my love for God filter, be the filter for all other relationships and things in my life. Of course, I love God first, but that impacts everyone I run into. That impacts every person I'm in relationship with. This changes my, because I love the Lord my God, it changes my work ethic at my job. You with me? Because I love the Lord my God, I choose to stay faithful to my spouse. Because I love the Lord my God, I want to be present in the lives of my kids. Because I love the Lord my God, I'm careful with the way that I, I spend and invest my money. Because it's God's money. So, I, of course, I love God first, but God's love, my love for God becomes a filter that changes the way I interact with everything and everyone in my life. So this is transformational. In fact, I'll tell you, it's so important that way later, thousands of years later in the New Testament, Jesus is being questioned by some Pharisees, some of the religious leaders of his day. And they came to him and they said, hey, there's a lot of commandments. What's the most important one? They were trying to trap him. Jesus doesn't get trapped, by the way. They said, what's the most important one? And Jesus said, well, th- that's easy. There's, there's the one main commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said, actually, and there's a second that's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he, he, he went as far as to say that if you'll do those two things, all of the law and prophets hang on those two commandments. In other words, if you'll love God with everything that you have, let your love for God be a filter in everywhere else in life, and then you love people as you love yourself, which is saying a lot, by the way, because come on, you love yourself. Let's be honest. I love me some me. Come on. We're, We're born that way. Aren't we? We're born just little selfish me monsters. Everything's about us. And so kind of like for the rest of our lives, it's, it's, it's rewiring that so that we start to realize, well, the, the universe doesn't actually revolve around me as much as I wish it did. So Jesus said, if you'll just love God with all that you are and love other people as much or as mo- more than you love yourself, you fulfill all of Scripture with those two things. So now, now does this take this command from just this basic, sure, we should love God, to now, wow, we got to get that right. You with me on that? This is, this is foundational and transformational. Everything changes according to this, loving the Lord your God. So now here's the other side of this. Loving God implies a relationship with God, doesn't it? And there's way too many people come on, especially in Southern culture, that talk the talk, sit in a church chair or a pew, and they, they, could, they could tell you some things about God, and they might even talk the talk. It's funny, too, just like being a pastor. I remember moving here to Clarksville 12, almost 12 years ago, and I, I didn't, we didn't, you know, we moved from the Southwest, so 
we didn't know Southern culture when we got here. We didn't know the like God bless you language that that the Southern culture tends to use. And it's funny because uh, there were times where I would get in and strike up a conversation with somebody that didn't yet know I was a pastor. And then they would ask me why I moved to Clarksville. And then I would be like, oh, here we go. Because everything changes when I say that I'm a pastor. For some reason, everybody, they, they, every, the conversation changes. On an airplane, I'm, they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, here we go. About to tell them I'm a pastor. Because the moment I say I'm a pastor, they start apologizing for things they said earlier in the conversation. They start confessing sin. They start telling me the last time they went to church. I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's, it's every time. I try to just avoid saying that I'm a pastor so we can have normal adult human conversation, right? But I remember moving here, and I, I remember telling people periodically, they would say, so what? why did you move to Clarksville? Oh, we're planning a church. And then out came the southern Bible language. Bi- we live in, the, live in the Bible Belt, right? Oh, planning a church. God bless you, brother. I'm like, where did that come from? That is not at all how you have just been talking, right? <laughs> we talk the lingo very easily, especially as a Bible Belt southern culture. It just, for a lot of people comes naturally because you've been around church, you've heard religion a lot. But what I'm trying to get to you is that loving the Lord your God implies having a relationship with God. And what is so amazing about the God of Scripture is that not only can we have a relationship with Him, but He is pursuing and desiring a relationship with us. But here's what we do. This is, this is just like what we do as our, our human tendency is to take something that God made super simple and way overcomplicate it, right? And so we, the idea of being in a relationship with a God that I can't see is like, how, how would that, well, how could I be in a relationship with him? Don't overcomplicate it. You get in a relationship with God the same way I get in a relationship with you. How is that? We talk. We spend time together, and I listen to you. Like, why do we need to overcomplicate it more than that? You're like, well, well, but God, and I have to come up with... Stop making this more than it is. Just spend some time with God. How do you get in a relationship with God? The same way you, you and I get into a relationship. We hang out. I talk to you, and I listen to you. Let's not make... Let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be. So let's put this in practical terms. How do we talk to God? Come on, answer me. How do we talk to God? Prayer. That's the primary way that we talk to God. We tell God what's on our hearts. Here's another way that we way overcomplicate things. People are like, pray, I don't know what to... Well, you're you're saying words right now. Just say them like to God. Why do we make this so complicated? You're, you're speaking, okay, so like you can only use sign language. Sign something to God. Like think something, let, let God see your heart. I meet people all the time who just way overcomplicate this. Stop overcomplicating and just tell God what's on your heart. Some people are so, con, 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 like, like they're so worried about it, getting the right words with God. Just talk to God. Guess what? He sees what's on your heart. 
He knows what's in your mind, and he heard what you said with your coworkers 45 minutes ago, okay? So listen, somebody's like all paranoid about, well, what if the wrong word slips out? Guess what? God heard you say it already. I think he's just happy that you're talking to him. Just like tell him what's on your heart. That's prayer. Don't overcomplicate it. How do you get in a relationship with God? Talk to him. How, what's the second side of a relationship? How do we hear from God? Pastor Brian was here a few weeks ago. He said, you want a word? Get in the word. We, we wait around for a booming voice from heaven and an angelic vision when every day God wants to speak to us and we don't have the time to listen. How do you get in a relationship with God? You talk to him and you listen to him. Come on, let's not overcomplicate this. There's no other way to love the Lord your God than by to just spend time with him. Get to know him. If you've been reading through the New Testament with us as a church, we're in the book of Hebrews right now. Just a few days ago, we read Hebrews chapter 5, and the author of Hebrews was talking about how the, the people he's writing to are so spiritually immature. In Hebrews chapter 5, he talked about how they should be ready for what he calls spiritual meat, but they still need spiritual milk. And I read that, and I thought, man, forget coronavirus. The worst pandemic is spiritual immaturity that's global in the church. People who claim to be Christians and won't even carve out some time to develop a relationship with God. You're like, I know God. Well, the Bible says that the demons know God, okay? So let's take this a little bit deeper and actually develop our love for God. If you want to choose life in this most important multiple choice quiz, it starts by loving the Lord your God. And by the way, just to kind of like get you ready for this, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to say, hey, if you haven't chosen life, you can today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn away from death and turn to life. I want you to be thinking about that right now. It's the most important decision you'll ever make, but you can't love God without spending time with him. So Moses says, choose life. And then he says, here's how you do it. Loving the Lord your God. Here's the second thing, obeying his voice. Has anybody else learned that God's timeline and plans are often very different than yours? (laughs) Come on. Seven of you have learned that. I don't know what the rest of you are doing, but you guys clearly are on the page, the same page with God. I am not. Because, man, I get my plans out there, and I get my ideas, and God often reroutes, and he changes. The timeline's all different. But this is what obeying his voice is all about. In fact, obeying, if you think about it, really is just constantly readjusting my life to keep in in tune with God. I love the way that the Apostle Paul puts it, Galatians 5.25. He says, keep in step with the Spirit. That means constantly readjusting what I'm doing, the pace at which I'm living, my mannerisms, my thoughts. I'm constantly readjusting to follow at the Spirit's pace, not my own. This is what obeying His voice is. This, this is what this means. But I also love that it says obeying His voice because it implies that He speaks. That's good news. I need to hear from God. Now, again, the exception to the rule is a booming voice. That may happen at some point in your life. 
The rule generally is the way God's going to speak is when we open up his word. And we allow, when, we, when you get in God's word, God's word gets in you and he begins to speak. So the big question is not, is God speaking? Come on, the big question is, are you listening? Obeying his voice, Moses says. And by the way, obeying God's voice doesn't cancel out the other godly voices in your life. It's not about canceling others. It's about prioritizing God's voice above all the rest. I'm going to listen to God. And even when I'm doing what God says to do, and there's a couple other haters in my life that are telling me I'm, I'm crazy, I'm going to go and I'm going to obey his voice. I'm going to do what God says to do. So obedience, you got to understand this, obedience requires sacrifice. When Moses says obeying his voice, you have to know that obedience will cost you. There's a price tag to your obedience. People, you know, as as Jen and I are in this season, our our family is preparing to launch out in something new. There's there's been questions like, man, crazy, why? You know, why why would you do that? Everything's so good here at Awaken, and the future's so exciting. We agree with all of that. But here's what we've said over and over. Our life of faith, your life of faith, the life of faith is not about building a life of comfort. It's about building a life of obedience. And that means it's going to hurt. It'll be costly. And at times it'll be very uncomfortable to go and do what God has told you to do. But if you're going to love God and obey his voice, this this is what it takes. And here's the third thing. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice. Number three, holding fast to him. It's an interesting phrase that Moses uses here, holding fast, because uh, the first time this phrase was used in Scripture is Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, when God was standing there with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and it was basically like the first wedding ceremony. And he was talking about how man, the man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. It's the same wording in Hebrew that Moses uses right here. And that, that phrase, hold fast, means basically to fasten oneself to or to be united with or to be in close association with someone else. This is what holding fast to God means. So holding fast to God means that I'm going to cling to God through the ups and downs of life. Because if you've been around the block a time or two, you know that if you don't have God to cling to, you'll end up seasick and bruised in every storm that life throws at you. We need an anchor through the storm. We need someone to hold on to, and otherwise life is going to toss you around. Moses says, love the Lord your God, obey his voice, hold fast to him. I'll tell you one more reason. There's a thousand, but another reason that we should hold fast to God Because the devil's a liar. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the devil constantly, especially, listen, especially as you choose life and you choose to follow God by faith, the devil's going to sneak his little snake voice into your, your mind 
and begin to tell you about all the moments you failed and how undeserving you are and shame you and beat you up with guilt. And you can tell the devil where to go because the reality is Jesus is truth and I'm going to hold fast to God because the devil's a liar. He exists to steal and kill and destroy. And so we're going to hold fast to God. So the choices are simple. A, life. B, death. Moses says, choose life. But maybe you're not sold yet. So he gives a few promises. He says in verse 19, choose life that you and your offspring may live. And at the end of verse 20, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. The the idea is that, again, God isn't going to force obedience, but he promises to reward obedience. So this may be the most important thing I say to you right now. Listen, your choice over life and death does not only affect you, but it affects all of the people in your sphere of influence. So your choice here in just a couple moments to choose life may not, you have to make the decision for you, but can I remind you, you're also making the decision to influence the future generations that will come after you. Your obedience, and on the other hand, your disobedience, impacts the lives of the people around you. If you need some proof of that, all you have to do is turn just a couple chapters to the left. Deuteronomy 28 is all about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And if your Bible is like most, there's a lot of underlines in the blessings part and probably nothing in the cursing part because we love the positive stuff. But can I just remind you that when God allows pain in our lives, it's not because he wants you to be in pain. God allows pain to use as a discipline in our lives because the purpose of God allowing pain is not your destruction. Listen closely. God is not out for your destruction. He's out for your restoration. And by God's grace, I believe sometimes the most gracious thing God can do is allow us to be so uncomfortable in our sin that we go, man, I've tried everything that the world had, and I have to go back to God because no matter what I faced with God, it was better with God than any thing I've found in the world. Right? I think, I just think it's gracious. It's gracious of the Lord to allow us to feel the pain of our decision because his goal is not our destruction. His goal is our restoration. And so listen, 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 says that when we are faithless, God remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What this means is that when you choose death and you feel the pain of that choice, that, that's not God being unfaithful. That is God being faithful to a promise he gave you. The choice is in your hands. It's kind of, it's kind of amazing to me to think about the fact that God left that choice up to us. Th- think about it this way. I'm a, I'm a dad of three kids. My, my youngest is, is our son Haddon. He's six. There's a handful of decisions that we allow Haddon to make on his own. 
Like, sometimes what, what he's going to wear just isn't like a battle we're going to fight. Like, hey, you do you, bro. Not what I would choose. You let your personality shine. All right, you go get him, champ. And you're going with the mohawk today. You do you, man. Sounds good. Just not a battle I want to fight. But I can't leave every decision up to Haddon. As much as I love him, I don't know what would happen to him if I let him choose every meal. I don't know. He would just drink Hershey's syrup. Or I don't know what he would do. I can't let him make all the decisions about whether or not he's going to go to school. The kid wouldn't learn anything ever. Like, I don't know, I don't know what he would do. There are certain decisions that as a parent, I have, to, I have to choose for him. Now, obviously, the day is coming where all my kids will be out on their own and making their own decisions, and I want to train them. Come on, parents. Our job right now is like arrows in the hands of a, of a warrior, like our, like our children are, to sharpen them and aim them because one day they will be on their own to make their own decisions. But right now, while they're in their, our home, we have to make a lot of those decisions. But you know, I was thinking about it this week. This is actually not how God works with us. God lets us make the decisions. All of them. In fact, what we're talking about today is the most pivotal decision you will make that will change your life on earth and your life for eternity. And God goes, I've done everything I can do to to lead you to make the right decision, but I can't decide for you. Two choices. Choose life or choose death. It's in your hands. The decision's up to you. Moses tells the nation of Israel the same thing. And guess what? Choosing life is not just a thing that you do one time. It's the rest of your life. If you're a follower of Jesus already, guess what? You have to choose life today. I'm not talking about salvation issues like you lost your salvation if you make the wrong. That's, that's not biblical. What I'm saying is every day as we follow Jesus, we have to choose the path of life. Just followers of Jesus. We're, we're making decisions that relate to life that, that God has called us to. And so the choice is up to us. And I guess maybe I, I just need to help you understand the decision that you're making if you choose life. Let me, let me just ask you, what if choosing life is really uncomfortable for you? Are you willing to love the Lord your God obey his voice, and hold fast to him, even if life gets really uncomfortable? Are you willing to love the Lord your God, obey his voice, hold fast to him, even if he asks you to do something that goes outside of what you had planned? Are you willing to love the Lord your God, obey his voice, and hold fast to him, even if it costs you dearly? The choice is up to you. And listen, everybody will make a decision before we leave today. I said it before, I'll say it again. To not decide is to decide. There's only two choices. There's not a C like, I'm going to wait till next Sunday. That's not how this works. Choose life or choose death.
Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.